Welcome to Forward Progress here on the Hammer Betting Network. I'm Rob Pizzola, joined by my co-host Clive Bixby. It has been a crazy week three in the NFL, so we'll look to recap a little bit of week three, what we noticed uh, from the week three matchups, look ahead to week four as well as there's a lot of great matchups on deck, and we'll break it down in its entirety from start to finish. Clive, let's start with how, how the day went for you overall. Well, so far so good. Um, in the early games, went one one and one, uh, tied with Houston at plus three on my bigger bets, and my smaller bets have done pretty well today too. Still uh, got one left to go, and that's San Francisco money line there. Um, you know, we're recording this as the second half is going, and you know Trent Williams is out, so that makes me not like the bet a little bit more. But so far so good. How about you? Yeah, so I'm in a similar boat, but opposite to you on Sunday Night Football here. So we're in the third quarter as we record. Um, I had a I had a solid week, very very good week. It was always going to be decided by Jacksonville because um, I tried to get out ahead of some Justin Herbert news that ended up being actually incorrect, but worked out in my favor. So always going to be decided by that. But I did win a lot of bets this week overall. So pretty happy with um, with the way things turned out. Uh, but I mean, for me, again, it seems like this is a regular on a weekly basis now. Um, just crazy finishes, like absolutely bonkers, insane games. And to me, the Bills Dolphins was the one that stood out today as like, how could it not? I mean, have you ever I, seen that before? No. <laughs> well, I first and foremost, the fact that Tua even finished that game, like I don't, want, I hate to speculate. The team comes out and says, uh, you know, he it's something related to his back. How you know he was nursing a back injury from the first half, and then when he got hit, he never reached for his back a single time. He kind of shook his head like multiple times um, to indicate that it was some sort of head injury, or he's trying to shake the cobwebs out and couldn't stand. Um, I I know like it was just a horrible look, um, but just the amount of time that the Bills had the ball for in the game, they ran ninety plays of offense, just an absurdly uh, crazy game where I feel like, you know, I feel like I watched so much of it and I can barely even remember Miami having the ball. Um, and they somehow pull out a win against the best team in the NFL. And it's not because of all the defensive injuries that the bills had either, which I thought was going to play a huge factor going into the week. That's what, that's the reason I liked Miami. That's the reason I, I bet the over in the game as well, but that really didn't come to fruition. It was, I, I'm still kind of at a loss for how the Dolphins ended up pulling this upset. Yeah, when you look at the yardage, it was almost double, I think. Actually, a little more than double. And what I think most people are going to take away from it, at least kind of on the public side, is Miami's 3-0, and not looking at the numbers of what actually kind of happened in the game. I mean, yeah, they eked out a win. And yes, the Bills are probably the best team you know in the NFL still. But you know, now all people are going to see is 3-0 and and a win. And I'll be interested to see what happens and what the line looks like when these guys meet again later in the year. Yeah, I'm also very interested in the Thursday night football matchup because Miami does play at Cincinnati. And the Bengals were one of those teams today that uh, anyone who bet the Bengals is like a wire-to-wire cover, pretty sweat-free, never really felt like that wager was in doubt. But a lot of the problems that manifested itself with the Bengals, I guess, earlier so far this year, seemed to be prevalent again today where you know Joe Burrow under pressure a lot he had to escape the pocket a lot um there was just a lot of things that I noticed in that game where I'm I'm not sure that we can say that the Bengals are back just yet 
But, I mean, it was a, at least a, a step in a positive direction today. Yeah, I think they were the right side today for sure, not just because of the wire-to-wire. Um, I don't think any of the mistakes or, you know, that extra time in the pocket, so to speak, was causing huge problems like they had the previous two weeks. Um, maybe it's because there was no dominant edge pass rusher like they had the face, you know, in Pittsburgh and in Dallas. But they looked okay. To me, they're still that same grade that I would have given them before. I don't really tick them up. I don't tick them down. I keep them in the same spot. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Uh, it's, it's a game that I think went as we expected to against a bad team. Uh, and, and it's really hard to adjust based off of that that singular game. Uh, just because we're on it right now, and speaking of bad teams, um, so we, the Jets are definitely in that mold. We saw probably what the market would consider the bottom four teams in the NFL play each other today uh, with Seattle, Atlanta, and Chicago and Houston. I've, I often look at like, you know, I manufacture my own market power rank- rankings every week, which is based off of the, the final closing spreads of games. And I often just kind of use that as a barometer of, you know, where, I, where teams should be in the league. I got to tell you, I've looked at the bottom of the list every single week this year. I'm like, this isn't right. Like, this does not seem right to me. So what I think going into this week were the bottom five teams, the way that the market ranked them was dead last, Houston, followed by Seattle, followed by Atlanta, followed by Chicago, followed by the New York Jets. I don't know how Atlanta is worse than the Bears or Jets right now. And I'm I'm not just saying that off the win today. Like, they actually have something on one side of the ball that neither of these te- uh, the rest of these teams have. I would even argue that we're starting to get into a conversation where even though the Giants are 2-0 headed into Monday Night Football, like I think maybe Atlanta is better than the Giants. They might be better than the current iteration of the Cowboys. The hell, they could even be better than the, com- the Commanders and-, and Panthers are so bad, even though the Panthers won today. We'll talk about that as well. I, I don't know why Atlanta is lumped into like these bottom five teams in the league. I don't know if that has to do with how poorly they played last year and people are not people, but maybe the market's holding on to priors a little bit. Um, You know, the listeners couldn't see me nodding along with you, but um, we talked about them as a potential over team last week. And that's just what they are. I mean, they have a pretty solid offense. And the more that they can get pits involved, I think they become even more dynamic and, uh, you know, tough to handle. The rough side of it is, you know, they kind of got carved up a little bit by Geno Smith today. So, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, it's like the tail of, of two uh, two sides. Their offense is all the way up here, defense really towards the bottom. And on the other side, you mentioned the Texans and the Bears. Their offense is definitely towards the bottom. That That was a pretty painful game, too. So the challenge I have early on in the year here is we're just in week three, right? I, I think by week seven, week eight, we kind of we kind of know what these teams are. They've now played enough games. They've probably played enough quality of competition um, at different ends of the spectrum that we have a generally decent idea of what these teams are. With the at, with the Seattle Seahawks, I will say, in in response to them carving up Atlanta, they did play the Denver defense and the San Francisco defense for the first two weeks of the year. So it's very possible that we just are underrating them. And then now, like, there's there's so many factors that come into it just because of the short sample size. So I, I don't think the Seattle offense is good. I don't think Geno Smith is good. But I don't think it's unreasonable to say, well, they did play two very good defenses to start the year, and now they played a step down in class, and they were able to somewhat move the ball in this game. Yeah, that's completely fair. That That's 100% fair. Um, what I did have a... Uh 
what I did think was interesting is how low the total ended up getting before the game. And then later on today, it did start creeping back up to 43. I think it closed that. Um, so I, I think there were people in the market that understood that there was some potential for some scoring in this game. But yeah, you're, I, I think you're on to something there too. You know, you have to look at who they played previously and they are decent defenses. And I mean, we're watching San Francisco, Denver struggle against each other. So there you go. Exactly. Um, I, I think the days of getting Atlanta with the lower 40s totals are going to be done very shortly. Uh, we had one in week one with the Saints. Now, granted, the Saints offense is, is miserable, but um, yeah, I, I don't see that lasting much longer overall. It, it can't. Um, they host the Browns next week, which the Browns don't play fast. They run the ball a lot, but I would be floored if that total is not um, 47 or higher, I would say at this point. Yeah, that's that's going to be a tough game um, to try and, and understand what the game flow is really going to be. You know, what's the time of possession going to look like? How many plays are, is Atlanta really going to get? And Cleveland's defense isn't bad. But on top of that, Cleveland's offense, I don't think is as terrible. It's it's not great, but it, it's okay too. So, I, you know, 46-47 seems really within the realm of possibilities where before the year started, what would you have given that game? 43, 43 and a half? Probably, yeah. Something similar to the the, the number we saw today. Um, I think both of those offenses have been, have to be, severely upgraded by market based off of what we've seen so far yeah not a game i particularly Uh, want to watch but it will be uh it'll be an interesting uh take on the market um i have my notepad here i do jot down notes while i'm watching games and i can't even tell you how many times over the course of the game i'm like jotting down stuff about just kc absolutely blowing it against indy today uh full disclosure obviously anyone who consumes my content they'll know that i was pretty heavy on the colts this week um, within the number for the majority of the game, did not play a good game by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know what's going on with the Chiefs. This they blow out the Cardinals in Week One. They play, they beat the Chargers in Week Two. But in my opinion, very lackluster performance on Thursday Night Football. They have the extra time to prepare for this game. You know, it just doesn't seem to be working. Now, credit to their defense. Their defense showed up today. Offensively, couldn't get anything going. Um, their kickers hurt Harrison Butker. So they had to try like a fake field goal late in the game, which is, I was, you know, as a, as a Colts backer, I was like, thank you very much. There was another missed field goal at another point, but just I, the whole AFC West, I guess it just feels like the, that division that we talked up going into the year as like, oh, potentially three, maybe all four teams could make the playoffs. And it was just such a lackluster day for the entire division. Yeah. They, they all just have this sense of slightly above mediocre. And it's tough to say with a guy like Patrick Mahomes as, as the quarterback, and you still have Kelsey there, and, and there's still talent. It's not that there's not, um, but they just haven't really – nobody's really separated themselves. And it, I was hoping – honestly, I was hoping it was going to be the Chargers this year. I don't have a future on them. I do have a future on Herbert for MVP, which you know doesn't look great with uh, you know his injury that he sustained last week. But – Nobody's really kind of stepping up and, and taking that division. We'll see what happens. I mean, I, I don't know about you. So you mentioned you had the Colts. I had the over today. So I bet that early. I had the over 47. Um, so this was kind of painful for me. That was my, yeah. my one of my bigger losses. I think I got a good number. I don't know if I'm on the right side with the field goal issues and all that stuff. Kind of hard to tell. But um, I, I think the Chiefs definitely let some points on the board, even without the field goal. You know, they just they're not clicking. 
Yeah, there just seems to be something. I mean, th- this was kind of the case last year too, where they would still manage to get results, but you just always felt like something is is not working with this team. Um, really hard for me to. I I just I'm I'm at a loss for how Indianapolis managed to win the game. I really am. Um, you know, I, I, I was watching red zone, so I didn't watch a lot of the, the game directly, but I, I thought late in the game that the Colts were going to have to punt. Apparently there was an unsportsmanlike penalty on KC that gave Indy a first down. They kept the ball and they were able to move, uh, and score to win the game. But, uh, the, the, the whole, like KC is fully healthy. They got no one missing from the lineup. Like that's their best team. The chargers have an excuse, right? I mean, they have a quarterback that, um, is going to be dealing with that issue for the entire year. They're missing Keenan Allen. They're missing their center, Corey Lindsley. They lose their left tackle, Rayshon Slater, to, today. J.C. Jackson's out on defense, their big offseason acquis- acquisition. Joey Bosa left with a groin injury. Like, they're already depleted in, like, typical Chargers form. Um, you know, so it's a little bit different. Denver, I don't even know. We, we don't know if Denver is going to beat the 49ers tonight or win this game, but... I have I have no words for how bad this team has looked with the talent that they have on paper. And then Las Vegas, while we expected them to be a regression candidate this year, it's looked really bad for them too. So I don't know. I I, I, I feel like I got to, you know, just calm down. It's only three weeks. We'll see a few more weeks. In, in, but, but Casey for me just seems like something is already off early in the year. And they're going to be a team that I'm I'm scratching my head about for many weeks to come. Not that they've ever been a great rushing team, you know, the last three, four seasons, whatever you want to look at. But I mean, today all the running play, all their runner rush attempts, overall negative EPA. If somebody were to tell you the Colts were going to win this game outright, and Jonathan Taylor had a negative point three six EPA per play, would you ever believe that? Probably not. Matt Ryan's like average depth of target was under five. So it's just a weird game. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Um, and the Colts, had, like they, they couldn't run the ball. Uh, well, I mean, the offense just looks so limited. I, I don't know. Like to me, it all stems from the offensive line play. And I thought that there was a chance that the offensive line would look better with Matt Ryan this year, just because I think Carson Wentz holds the ball so long that he often makes his offensive line look worse. But that wasn't the case. Um, they just, it seemed like Casey was in the backfield every play. So I, I still don't know what to make of Indy. I honestly don't. I think a very undeserving win today, but definitely we're getting to the point now where it's been three games of pretty lackluster offense. Um, uh, this might just be what they are. Like maybe Matt Ryan is actually just cooked and this is going to be a team that struggles to score, plays some sound defense every now and then. Uh, but it does feel like, and again, the NFL is very week to week, hate to overreact to things, but does feel like the Jags are very live for the division right now. Oh yeah. Um, I would say the Colts look like without knowing the rest of their schedule off the top of my head, they look like a six or seven win team and not much more than that. Um, and those wins aren't likely going to come against the Jags, uh, either. I know they already played once, but you know, like they're, those, they're not going to be the soft spot basically. So I, the Texans will, but I don't know. The Colts, uh, two weeks in a row now, they've kind of disappointed me with not looking live offensively at all, even with Pittman coming back. Yeah, I, I, I echo the same thing. I thought the full complement of receivers this week, they would have to show something, and uh, and they just didn't. So, I mean, that was, again, Indy, Miami, both winning for me was absolutely shocking. 
Uh, Baltimore, New England was a great game overall. I thought one of the games of the day uh, was pretty close throughout. Um, some costly turnovers from New England. This Baltimore offense, Baltimore is profiling as like a huge over team for me right now. With the way that they can, they have these explosive plays offensively. They might not be able to sustain like these lengthy drives, but Lamar is so good with his feet. He's throwing downfield. The defense is still le- like leaving a lot to be desired. They can't generate pressure. Um, I don't, you know, the secondary played a little bit better today. Kyle Hamilton had a, had a great punch out from behind Nelson Aguilar to kind of swing the game in their favor. But I, I like Baltimore. Where do I put where do I put Baltimore in the AFC landscape? I have no idea right now. And and we're going to learn something about that next week. We'll, we'll I'll guess the line and we'll guess the line when we get the Ravens Bills, but Baltimore to me still is very like they're they're leaving a bunch to be desired on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's the problem. I think you're going to see like in the NBA, I kind of call this fool's gold where teams that are very 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 strong offensively, they just beat up on the weak, so they'll beat up the the bottom two-thirds of the league but then when they play somebody real you're gonna kind of get a little bit of a culture shock and it's gonna be like oh this is not what we've seen all year so um and I didn't expect to get much from New England defensively either I, I have not been big on them defensively so um they they're a machine on offense an absolute machine yeah, the Mac Jones injury is gonna is gonna play wreak havoc now. Looks like a high ankle sprain, so he avoids an ankle break, which is nice. Don't know the degree of the high ankle sprain. Um, li- likely Brian Hoyer, I would think, rather than the than the rookie coming in there, just because Belichick is more of a um, you know old school type of coach. I think he goes to Hoyer next week. I, I, you know, I've seen Brian Hoyer play enough to know what he is going on the road to Lambeau. Am I going to want to back them in that spot? I'm not sure that I will. Um, I I thought Mac. I thought so far this year Mac Jones has been better than people give him credit for. He hasn't been able to avoid the big mistake, which I think has been a problem. But overall, I have felt that he has been uh, better, and that's going to be a, a, a more costly injury than people realize in the long run. Yeah, he was at least able to keep, kind of keep that offense going. Um, Ryan Hoyer's very very limited um so we'll see i mean going to lambo how could you be optimistic on that that might be a uh, a new england team total under for me next week um the ravens had a 50 percent success rate on offense this week 0.22 epa per play um when mark andrews was targeted they were very strong uh devin duvernay had that amazing catch in the corner of the end zone as well uh, when Rashad Bateman was targeted, pretty poor EPA numbers. But overall, I thought that was a back and forth game where the uh, Ravens were just able to limit their mistakes. Um, I think another one, I, I mean, the one o'clock slate was was pretty crazy. But um, Detroit, Minnesota, I, I do want to talk about this because I'm very close to being being able to say um, or admitting that I was wrong about Detroit going into the year. Again, still early. I know that they lost today. They've been, they look good offensively. I just, I won't even sugarcoat it. Like the offense for the Lions, I did not expect, even behind a, a, a good offensive line, I did not expect Jared Goff to look this good. Um, so, I mean, I, I do think that I'm starting to think that the market was just wrong with the season win total where it was going into the year. Um, with that said, they're one and two. They they blew a game today, which was very winnable. Um, and Dan Campbell is looking like the new Brandon Staley. I believe they went for six fourth down attempts today. I'm going to look that up really quickly, but I'm pretty sure they were four of six on fourth downs. Um, and they, I believe that they started four of four. 
and didn't get the last two. Now, part of the reason that they had to do this because they were three for 16 on third down. Horrible third down conversions today. But uh, curious on your take on the Lions overall and your take on Dan Campbell and whether or not you like these coaches that are hyper-aggressive. I am not of the philosophy that you play to lose by less. And I think more often than not, when teams are not going forward on fourth downs or or going for two-point conversions in the wrong spots, like or not going for them, I should say, um, I don't think that's optimal. I understand these are short sample sizes. These coaches are every week being scrutinized for every decision that they make, and they're trying to protect their jobs. I get that. But um, I I think going out and being a little bit more on the aggressive side, um, and you kind of get when it works, you're a hero. Like, look at what Dable did week one, Giants. Two-point conversion, they win the game, Tennessee goes down, they miss the field goal, boom, everything's perfect, like he's the perfect coach. So um, you're always going to have the people that are second-guessing some of these aggressive decisions, but you, you try and maximize your your scoring opportunities when you get them. Agreed. So like the thing that gets me about the Dan Campbell stuff today, I've already seen some people calling him out, and you you, you it's one thing if you go 0 for 6 on fourth downs, right? When you go four for six, you have to you have to be willing to take the good with the bad or vice versa, right? You can't just call him out and be like, oh, you should have kicked that field goal at the end of the game or they should have punted or, without also acknowledging that he made four very good decisions earlier in the game that increased their win expectancy. And that's what drives me crazy about the whole argument, right? It just always comes down to the last situation and they should have done this. They should have done that. And it's like, no, I mean, you... you then you have to exclude the decisions that he made earlier in the game where they went four for four on fourth downs. And, and that's what drives me up the wall with this stuff. This yeah, thing. be consistent. If you if you don't think that a team should be going for it on fourth down, great. I don't agree with you, but so be it. Like, and, and be consistent throughout. Um, and here's the other thing with the Lions, which I think might be different. And their defense is not good. They're not making many stops. They're, they're struggling. So I really think they're a team that truly has to just philosophically has to maximize every scoring opportunity that they have. Settling for threes is not going to be good for them when the other team's marching down and averaging four points a drive, whatever the number is, but that that kind of thing. I agree with you. Uh, today, the Vikings had a 57% success rate offensively. Um, I particularly noticed the Lions really couldn't stop the run all that well in this game uh, either. It, it, it's hard to say because you have, I mean, you have to put it into context and the Vikings were trailing for the majority of the game. So lines did play from ahead. That's going to make their defensive numbers look good. Um, they are in a position where they're typically, you know, not accustomed to playing with a lead all that often, um, in years past, or especially under Dan Campbell. So, uh, tough to say, but I, I do feel like they are ultra competitive and this is not like last year where, okay, the final scores were ultra competitive, where they were trailing by three or four touchdowns heading into the fourth quarter every time. This, to me, is is a better football team than last year um, by a significant margin. Yeah, and I, I think the market's probably going to start adjusting a little bit more for them. They're a team that you keep seeing, like, they're getting a little bit more respect, but they're probably not what their true ranking probably is at this point. So let's start there because I actually have no clue what this number will be next week. You have Detroit hosting Seattle next week. Um, One thing that I think that the market is going to generally gravitate towards with Detroit going forwards is overs. I do think that they profile as an over team for all the reasons that you mentioned, uh, particularly the defense not being good. 
But what is the like? It's going to be so weird to see Detroit with the price tag that I think we're going to see next week. Which I mean, I'm going to guess like they're laying six and a half, seven, something like that. Hmm. So you had Atlanta and Seattle today, right? Right. What did that game close at? Did it close at minus one? Uh, I I believe minus one, yeah, was the the closing number. I'll just look at the market making books quickly here. Yeah, the Seahawks closes uh, minus one, minus 115 at Chris, minus one, minus 108, Pinnacle, minus one at Circa. Okay, so they're minus one at home. What do you give Detroit then over Atlanta? Atlanta is another offensive team. Um which they're now getting credit for too. So the total's probably more like high 40s, 48 and a half maybe. Yeah. And then for a number, maybe it opens six and a half? Yeah, I, I, I think it's got to be around there. I do. It's, it's going to look really weird, right, to see that number in front of the Lions. But... Um, you know, it, it, can't, it can't be anything like a four, four and a half. Like that's that's just, that can't happen, right? Like it's that's unload on Detroit type of situation with the way that the market looks at these teams. Like Seattle just lost at home to Atlanta. Market is not respecting Seattle at all. Um, Detroit, okay, they lost, they blew a lead, but they covered a spread again. Um, people are pretty happy with that generally. Against a better team too. I mean, let's, I mean, Minnesota was pretty highly, you know, ranked as a a team coming up this year. So it's not like they, they blew a lead to the bears. Agreed. And then like on a injury side of things, Detroit, I don't think they really lost anyone today. I think maybe Tracy Walker left the game, not like a huge deal, like no cluster injuries for them. Um, I don't know if Seattle's going to be getting back any corners, but it feels like that has to be, it, 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 it can't be anything South of six. I don't think as an opener or else it's just one way action on Detroit. I think. Yeah. Do you, do you think it goes five and a half to open to see what kind of, you know, bets get pulled in right away? I don't, I, yeah, I'd say it's probably six, six and a half. Yeah. Um, we'll be, intri- I'm intrigued by the total there as well. I think it has to be high, um, high forties. I'm not sure the Seahawks offense warrants it just yet, but maybe if they're playing in garbage time, they can get, um, something open there. We have like a lot of good matchups on the board next week. Um, Buffalo Baltimore is just, is standing out to me because, uh, Buffalo is going to be a very difficult team to create a number four because of all the injuries. No idea who's back. They missed their center today, Mitch Morse. They're without Trey White. They're without Dane Jackson. Uh, Micah Hyde is on, on IR now. Jordan Poyer did not play today. Ed Oliver and Jordan Phillips were out on the defensive line. So Buffalo is pretty beat up. Baltimore, in my opinion, has a very sneaky under-the-radar situation going on as well because they lost another tackle today, Patrick McCarry. So they could be down. If Ronnie Stanley is not ready to go, they'll be down to a fourth string left tackle. Um, Ronnie Stanley, I thought he was going to play this week, but he got downgraded to doubtful. Um, They lost a couple more defenders, which in my opinion, they can't afford to lose, both in the front seven, Michael Pierce and Justin Houston. Don't know if those are going to be long-term or not. But going into this week like are are we down are we downgrading the bills essentially i'm not no i mean if you want to downgrade them slightly because of injuries that's that's one thing but because of their performance this week no i mean they still racked up like 490 yards um i i i don't and i i certainly don't think with everything we've seen from the ravens so far that they're going to be capable of stopping them at all yeah i i agree i mean uh 
I, I would, I'd have to guess three and a half Buffalo, maybe four. I, I think anything south of that, and it's just one way Buffalo at, like no, everyone wants to bet on Buffalo, right? Um, maybe even at three and a half, four, it's one way traffic on Buffalo, but I think that's more of a reasonable number when you consider all the defensive injuries they have. Like the one thing I have faith in Baltimore doing against Buffalo is matching them in terms of scores, as long as more so than I think I, I had faith in Miami doing today. Because Miami didn't play a great offensive game overall. Uh, I don't know if that's like a Leslie Frazier thing for... Like, it's getting absurd for me with Buffalo now. I don't know how you can be missing half your defense, including your entire starting secondary, and, you know, limit of explosive team like Miami to 21 points. I just can't see them missing that personnel and being able to do the same thing to Baltimore. Yeah, like, that, and I... I know the total's not going to be set here, but if this game ends up in the 60s, I certainly won't be surprised in the least. Um, not not for a total. I mean, what I think will happen. Like, if somebody tells me this game's 35-31, I'm like, okay, sure. Uh, to- total has to be very similar to what we saw today uh, with Buffalo-Miami. I would say very close, which was, uh, I don't know, 50- it actually, it went to, to the opposite side of 54 at Circa. I think it closed 55 at Circa. And either way, it was somewhere around 54 that's kind of like where I envision this being. Now we have to account for scoring being down overall this year. There's lots of things that to factor into the equation, but I it it has to be like it has to be 54 something something there maybe mid 50s. Buffalo Miami's 54. You've seen what the Ravens and the Dolphins did when they played each other too. And again, I always know these aren't apples to apples, but it's the best analog we have. I mean, 54 and a half. Yeah, to open maybe. and then see what kind of uh, you know money they take. It would get bet down. I feel confidently that this total will get bet down. I, I so I particularly have noticed this in market for a long time now. But these to- the highest totals on the board typically take late money on the under. It was very rare for me today to see the Buffalo Miami take late money on the over. I don't know what was up with that, but I feel confidently that if this totals in the mid fifties, it does get bet down towards game time. Buffalo um, Miami, they saw your show earlier. All the money came in yeah. after that. Is it? Is it, did that really happen? I I don't remember the timing, but I do remember like you saying Buffalo Miami. I think it was at fifty three and a half at the time. That was on Pizza Buffet this morning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you never know. I I I I don't know that I can beat full limits uh, on the morning uh, day of NFL games. But uh, if someone played that opinion uh, based off my comments, God help them is what I would say to that because that's a lot of mon- money that's moving there. Yes. Yeah, it's it's not cheap to move a line. It's not a Monday college basketball, you know, at 9 a.m. Yeah, um, we'll stick with some good matchups. So we're going to go Sunday night football. We didn't talk at all about Packers and Bucks today. Kind of a snoozer of a game, a, a weird one. You had a lot of fumble turnovers in there, um, tons of injuries with both teams to deal with. So Sunday night football next week features a rematch of the Super Bowl a few years ago. Uh, Bucks hosting the Chiefs. Now the Bucks, the injury situation, it's it's dire. Uh, Mike Evans will be back from suspension. Um, we'll also have, I believe, Julio Jones very likely to be back, considering he was questionable today. No idea about their left tackle Donovan Smith uh, or Chris Godwin, but that to me is is a game that I'm very very interested in because I still have no idea what either of these teams are. And I think this will give us a, a better gauge because Tampa goes up. They lose They lose to Green Bay. Um, Green Bay issues at receiver as well, but a little bit healthier. Ultimately, pretty close game. The Chiefs, I still don't know. So I, 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 I'm, 
I'm very interested in this as a Sunday night football game. I just hope it doesn't end up being a dud like we've seen the last couple weeks. So we talked about Tampa Green Bay as being a very likely under candidate last week, right? Um, I, I look at this game as probably the same where you might have a reputation as what's going to start that number and then it might get bet down. Yeah. 47? Is that probably about? No, maybe a little less. Um, I wouldn't be surprised though. It is, it is like a... It is a Mahomes Brady matchup, right? Um, I mean, the Buc- the the Bucks now have played three games. the The total finals in their game were twenty two, thirty, and thirty. They've yet to have a game that surpassed thirty. So, they, I mean, they can't really move the ball because the offensive line is bad, and they don't really have many weapons. You can see Brady's pretty frustrated. Um, KC kind of been trending downwards in terms of totals. Uh, I think your guess is. Uh, I, I I think that like. If you gave me a total of 47 in the game, I'm not sure which side I would bet off the top of my head. I probably would lean slightly to the under, but I think that that's a, a decent number. Yeah, and that was another weird ending today, too, with the uh, the two-point conversion and the delay of game. And I mean, Oh, my God. Well, I mean, it was crazy because there should have been a delay of game on the touchdown, right? Honestly, I don't, I don't mean to rant about like dumb rules in sports again or whatever, but the whole... Oh, the refs got to look at the clock and like give the quarterback like a split second to snap. No, it's like when when the clock goes to zero, the play should be blown dead. How could they not have some piece of technology where like the ref just hears like a bell in his ear when the play clock goes to zero and he just blows the whistle? Like, why is it so hard to incorporate this? I, I don't know why they make this complicated in any way, shape, or form. It just doesn't make sense to me at all. Just it's zero, done. That's it. Like, I don't know. Just. The NFL makes things a little too complicated with some of their rules sometimes. Right. Um, I wonder what we see now as a number uh, for next week. Because, I mean, we look at Tampa Bay hosting Green Bay today. That clo- What do we close at there? One? Tampa Bay one? So, like, how much does, does Tampa now get downgraded off of their performance from this week? Or do, like, the Chiefs get downgraded? Because... Uh, I, I have a really. I, I think the Chiefs are small favorites in this game. Is kind of where where it has to be. Um, like I, it can't get out to three Chiefs. Maybe it can, but like I don't think it should necessarily. I, I think like it just has to be. KC is marginally better than Tampa Bay. Not marginally better, but yeah. Ah, it's very tough for me to make a number on this game, Clive. Extremely difficult as I work through the the motions in my head here. Yeah, so Tampa Bay, I do probably downgrade a little bit, but I I can't downgrade them enough to where I would make KC a full three point favorite. Um, so it's probably two two and a half, I guess. Maybe it opens two. Um, I don't I don't think it gets to three. Maybe it does. I mean, it, it maybe it depends on on who's playing for Tampa Bay next week. But I I feel like I'm gonna have some interest in Tampa. I I really feel like I'm gonna have some interest in Tampa next week because I I think people are are writing this team off, and I think a lot of it is just to do with the injuries to start the year. And I do think that there's a legitimate chance. I mean, if they can get Mike Evans and Julio back next week, that's you know pretty solid receiving court. Donovan Smith is the key in my opinion, left tackle. But I don't know. There's there's something about the Chiefs right now that I feel like ah, something something ain't right. I mean, this is this is me just speaking, and, and I barely do this. I think maybe this is why people enjoy listening to this show. This is just me speaking as a football fan, and not from like I ran my numbers on the game because I I, I will do that tomorrow, and I might have something totally different. Maybe my models like really like the Chiefs still or something like that. But it just it, it feels like they're a a bit of a broken team right now 
and that the Bucks are completely dismissed in market because of they've sucked, but I think most of it's been to do to, to do to injuries. Yeah, um, I think they're both not performing to expectations um, or hope. I mean, you know, they're still names, right? Like the Super Bowl rematch from a couple years ago, like you said. Um, I probably downgrade both teams slightly this week and probably about the same amount. I mean, so it's it still leaves me at two, two and a half. Um, I'll be interested to see what the total opens at and under is something that I could see for sure. Um, I didn't get to see a lot of the Tampa game today, so I, I kind of want to play that back and watch and, and, and see what I see. But I, I don't know. So speaking of that, what's the team that you probably downgrade the most and which is the team that you probably up the most based on what you've seen this week? So I, I think it has to be the Chargers in terms of downgrade. Like, it, it could have just been a one-off. And I, I do think, like, you know, Herbert didn't take first-team reps on Friday. So, uh, but you get, they got schooled. So, like, as a six-and-a-half-point favorite, they lost by, what, 28 points in the game? I don't remember what the final was there. I think it was 38-10. So, uh, on top of that, all the injuries that they have, there, there's no way... I cannot foresee uh, any other team being downgraded more than the Chargers. Now, let's remove them from the equation and then go top to bottom. It's a it's a little bit more challenging because no team really had like a hor- it's I mean, Washington had a horrible game, but I think the Eagles are a powerhouse, right? Like how much of that is just the Eagles being amazing now? Um, I think their, they, their defense is going to start getting a little bit more recognition um, for, for what they are. Um, so the, the commanders was a team that I had in mind that I probably downgrade a decent amount. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I, I tweeted at some point today, I think it was at halftime that they might've had negative 16 net passing yards at the half, which again, I, I do think a lot of it's a lot of that's product of the Eagles, but commanders, they don't, they, you know, to me last week was kind of a telltale sign for that team where you had the Lions missing three interior offensive linemen and Washington just could not generate any pressure whatsoever. And, you know, I know that Deron Payne like wasn't practicing that week and he was a bit hurt, but, uh, or was Jonathan Allen that wasn't practicing, I think. Pretty sure it was Jonathan Allen. But regardless, I, I don't know what Washington does well. Like they have a good receiving core, but their quarterback's not good. They lose Chase Rullier, their center, who goes on IR, uh, which to me is a pretty sizable loss for them last week defensively they're not you know they're not doing anything now they also had a late scratch at corner today um where uh William Jackson I think missed the game and he was like that kind of came out of nowhere but that team is man the NFC East the Eagles are so much better than every team in the NFC East like it's absurd how much better they are than it and you know going into the year I I can almost like laugh at what the the odds were on the Eagles to win the division relative to everybody else like they've just completely blown that out of the water now. Yeah, um, one game that we didn't talk about because it really wasn't all that exciting um, was the Panthers Saints game. Mm-hmm. The Panthers managed to win that game with about another 150 yards of offense, which is you know not great, especially against the Saints defense, which hasn't really been living up to that expectation. The Panthers is a team that maybe I downgrade a little bit more too, even though they won this week, um, as just kind of slightly disappointing. The Panthers, honestly, they stink. Like they're they're just they're painful. Uh, series conversion rate of fifty two percent today, one of the worst numbers in the league. Uh, they ran sixty plays. They had a success rate of thirty two percent on their twenty eight passes. They had a success rate of twenty five percent. The offense is horrible. 
The Panthers' offense is so bad. I, I, I didn't catch a lot of this game today. So um, it's probably one that I will watch back this week because I saw so little of it. But I thought, like, they had a, did they have a defensive touchdown, a punt block, or something? They, they had all sorts of crazy shit that was going on in the first half there that helped them build their lead. Yeah. Um, it, it just was a, another messy offensive game for them which is not what they need. And I think people were hoping that this would be the week, given that the Saints haven't been putting together a good pass rush, that they would be able to do something and kind of move the ball and that Mayfield would be able to do something. Granted, he doesn't have the greatest weapons at, at wide out. I mean, I, I like more, but other than that, Robbie Anderson's kind of very hit or miss and more often than not miss. Panthers do have a good defense, and I think that's what they're kind of skating by on. Um I, I really I really think it's like Ben McAdoo is a, I think the coaching staff's a big problem for the Panthers. Like in my opinion, they should be they should be better than they are offensively with the personnel that they have offensively. Now granted, they have a rookie left tackle who can't pass protect right now. Not saying that he won't be a good pro, but we're now talking about with a win today, they improved to three and fourteen against the spread in their last seventeen games. Uh, market is pretty consistently overvalued this team. Now, part of it was Darnold at some point last year. I I just, I don't see this team as having much upside. Um, problem is they face Arizona next week. Um, who I think so secretly terrible. Um, so I don't really know what I'm going to do with that game or how I would price that game because prior to this week, I would have made Arizona favorites. Uh, now, don't think I can. Arizona, I mean, they 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 had a chance. I mean, they they made a they made it a competitive game against the Rams, but for the most part, they got pretty outplayed. They were down thirteen nothing pretty early. Um, so it's that's a tough one to price. Carolina's almost got to be favored now, and like, yeah, man, am I gonna bet? Am I gonna bet Arizona next week? Because I. I I I want no, no like Carolina being favored just screams automatically bet against that team like I don't really care it's it's kind of rough um, I don't think the Cardinals are very good uh, I don't think the Rams are that good either so I don't put too much stock in that either I mean they have some talent on defense but offensively the Rams aren't you know all that enticing at this point either so it's kind of I think some of the teams that we expected to be better aren't all that great. I think the middle is just so, uh, what's the right word? It's so tight. There's just so many teams in that middle. Agreed. Like if, if you're, if you're dividing the NFL into tiers, right? Like there's not that many tiers. There's so many that are in that middle group. I, I totally agree with you on that. I think you have some teams that are really bad, which you can identify and maybe you can break that bucket up into a, a couple like, like Carolina and the Giants are not as bad as Houston and Chicago, right? So like they're in a, their own tier. But I do think that there is this middle tier um, where you have all these teams like, like you know, Cleveland, Indianapolis, New England, Tennessee, um, Jacksonville, Detroit, but like maybe those are teams on the upper end of that tier. Uh, even Las Vegas on the lower end of that tier, despite them being 0-3. Arguably even like Minnesota and Cincy could be on the, like there's a lot of, of mediocrity is what I would call it. Yeah, uh, totally, totally agree. And the Panthers really aren't far off from being 3-0, by the way. Like if you look at the way that some of those those two games played out, two early fumbles in the last week against the Giants, um, which led to points because the Giants really couldn't move the ball. And then the Browns with, uh, it's not a miracle, but... Um, 
you know, they were the beneficiary of a couple calls towards the end of that game to get them into field goal position. Like, Panthers could be a 3-0 team. And then next week, either the Bears or the Giants are going to be 3-1. And And that's why you can't get too caught up in records for, you know, everybody listening out there. You really have to look at what's happening and who who teams have been playing. Honestly, lots of times. We're going to get to a point in the year. I'm not even joking. Week five or week six, I won't even be able to tell you what a team's record is anymore because it doesn't matter to me. Like, all that matters to me are the peripheral metrics, right? Um, I don't care how many games they've won or lost. Um, there's some stinkers next week as well, uh, but I think there's, they're worth talking about. Steelers are hosting the Jets. Um, if that's a Trubisky game and the Steelers are where I think that they will be, which is above a field goal, oh boy, buckle up. I might be on for the Joe Flacco experience because... Uh, I, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't think that that can be a three. At least I don't th- think the market sees that as a three. I think the Steelers are terrible, like, like awful, awful. Well, I don't like the Patriots and I bet the Patriots against the Steelers last week. So that's, that's where I'm at with Pittsburgh. Um, their defense is so far affected too, without Watt, like that. He just means so much to that team on top of that. And their offense is putrid. So all that said, I, I, I have a hard time backing them just about against anybody. The line would have to be perfect for me to, you know, ugh, ugh. <laughs> yep. Yep. I completely hear you. Um, we got a London game next week, uh, which is always nice to wake up to a, a loser in the morning. I'm a big, uh, you're on the East coast as well. I hate the London games. There's something about betting that London game that uh, I remember I had, there was a Falcons jets one last year. I was on the wrong side of a painful loss and, already ruined my day in the morning nothing i hate more than the london game but we have vikings and saints um i mean i don't know that i can when you hear that the quarterback the starting quarterback of the team has a broken back it doesn't give you much confidence in backing that team like obviously there's a price point where i would back the saints um i i think that the market i don't know what the look ahead was in this game I thought I thought I saw something like Pickham or Minnesota minus one, something like that. I'll be it cannot be that price. It will not be that price. That would be full one sided action on the Minnesota Vikings. I I don't know three and a half. That's probably where I. I mean, even three and a half. I think everybody takes the Vikings, so maybe that's not even enough. Maybe it's four and a half. I, I yeah I, I don't I don't have a good grasp on the Saints right now. I don't. It's a neutral. I, I can't say that the Vikings are three and a half better on a neutral. With the Saints as they are and as they're playing, I mean, Winston's not good with a healthy back. And no yeah. pass rush. Like, if they're not generating a pass rush against Kirk Cousins, again, I haven't seen the line, so I have no idea. Um, but that's, if it's two and a half on a neutral without some yeah. other information, how do you not take the Vikings? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, going into the let, let me see what my number would have been going into this week between these two teams. Um, so I had Minnesota about one and a half point better than league average, and the Saints about a half point worse. So I, pro- I would have made it roughly Minnesota minus two. That's not accounting for the actual matchups, the X's and O's uh, going into this week, which. I think was probably like that was fine. Yeah, so it's got to be it's got to be like three now, maybe three. I, I I can't see three and a half on neutral. I mean, that would just get like swallowed up. Saints would get swallowed up at that price. Um, all right, we got about five minutes left here. Uh, I know people like us. I, I've gotten a lot of feedback about this show. People do like the guessing of the numbers, even if it's not not like actionable info. Let's try to get a few more in. We haven't talked about the Titans at all. Titans are going to Indianapolis to take on the Colts next week. And I'll try to mix in some totals here as well. But 
I will throw it to you first for Titans at Colts. God, I'm so down on the Titans, even after today. <laughs> uh, and I'm not raising the Colts at all based off of today either. So I don't know. It pro- I think it maybe opens a three. Just flat three. Okay. Maybe eh, three and a half. I'm, I'm sort of in the same boat as you. Uh, I think despite the Colts winning today, um, I, I think Kansas City was heavily bet. I think a lot of people will have watched that game and said the Colts offense is terrible. I'm not betting this team as a favorite. I think I think juiced three on Indianapolis. So minus three, minus 120. And it's got to be a low total. Like we're now, see, now this is a, we're getting into this disparity of teams because I think the Titans are an over team, the way that they profile. I still think Tannehill's fine. Even without Taylor Lewan today, if they get teams that don't have a good pass rush, they can pass the ball. And the Colts don't have a good pass rush. So I think the Titans can pass the ball, but then you are reliant on the Colts to be able to do something offensively. So I do think it's a low total, probably around a key number. So I would guess like 44. But even then, Man, I, it would be, I don't know that I can, uh, I'd probably be looking at under if I set that just because of the Colts offense. It's ugly. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I wonder, so like I, when I think about pace for the NBA, I wonder given those two teams would want to heavily rely on, on running the ball too. Is that something that would move the number down a little bit too? Um, will either team be successful running the ball is a different question. That's true. Um, I think the Colts are lim- so limited in Matt Ryan right now that the other team can just key in on the run. Um, with the Titans, I think that they just run in the wrong spots. Like if I consult my sheet again right away, you can see this. The the people listening can't. My first note is the first note I made of the day, probably about five or 10 minutes into the day is Tennessee should pass more on early downs. They just force feed Henry like for two yards and it's just a waste. So, and then they started running some play action later in the game, and they were having all sorts of um, positive impacts with that. So, um, I don't know. I uh, seventeen I, of twenty five series started with a rush. Is that seventeen of twenty five? Yes, just just like brutal. Series conversion rate was seventy percent on the series that they started with a rush. As long as I'm reading this right, which I think I am. Yeah. Uh, let's tackle a couple more here. Um, maybe ones that we have Cleveland at Atlanta. We talked about the total, which we said, what do we say? High forties, right? Yep. Roughly, um, side Cleveland and Atlanta, because Atlanta is probably upgraded by market, but maybe Cleveland is as well. Um, Cleveland's favored for sure. Cleveland was what? Six against the Jets. Yeah. On the road. And this is another road game. Six, six at home. home. Six, six at home to the Jets because oh, Jets won in Cleveland. Cleveland. You're right. You're right. And where does the market see the Jets relative to the Falcons? Like for some reason. But to your point, yeah. like you just said, if they're upgraded, yeah, Cleveland three and a half. Yeah. Three or three and a half. Maybe three and a half. I, I, I actually, though, I, I don't think three and a half. I think it's three and a half and it'll get bet down to three. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland has the extra rest too. That's a factor people look at. So um, we might as well touch on the just went final. I don't. I, I honestly don't know how Denver won tonight. Um, it's like another. I'll add that to my list of games today where I won a bet and have no idea how it won. Sometimes you gotta. Sometimes you gotta be lucky. Denver is going to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. Uh, I The line is, will I watch more than two plays in that game? That's the over-under. Man, the Raiders will also look terrible. It, like th- it, this, this, ha- this is the game. This is the game that if the Denver offense cannot do anything, they're not doing anything this season. 
Like Russell Wilson is officially cooked if they cannot score on the Raiders. He actually scrambled and ran the ball a little bit. I know you probably didn't get a chance to see. I have it up on a monitor over here. Um, he extended a drive or two, um, which was surprising because he looked, he's looked like a statue for what he compared to what he used to be. Um, that game in Denver? That game's in Las Vegas. Pick them? Nah. Denver minus one and a half? Ooh, man. I would be very enticed by the Raiders at that price. Well, maybe not. I maybe not. I bet Denver to uh, this this is the like the bias of watching the games and like watching you know, the the primetime game. Whole, but like this is one where like theoretically speaking, Denver just beat San Francisco. Mm-hmm. That's a that should be an impressive feat. How, however, most people will downgrade Denver. They'll probably downgrade both of these teams after watching this game. Yeah. Um Denver's not going to score against any kind of reputable defenses as they're constructed now and as their offense is being run. It's just not going to happen. That being said, for a total, what number would it have to be for you to be enticed to take an over? 40 and a half? Oh, a, a, a hundred, I would 100% bet over 40 and a half with Denver and the Raiders. One I can I cannot I would bet any Raiders total ab- above I think the so I think so lowly of the Raiders defense, despite that the fact they have a pass rush, their secondary is so bad. Um I think if you gave me a forty three and a half Raiders against any team in the league, I would take the over. Maybe I'm out to lunch there. Maybe I'm out to lunch there. But like to me, the Raiders are still you know, bo- upper half of the league in terms of offense. I know Carr hasn't played well this year, but I'd still say like they're going to score in, you know, their point total at the end of the year, I'd say be in the upper half of the league. If I had to guess their defense to me is going to be bottom six and they're going to play at, you know, there, there's a lot of pace in these games as well. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would have to lean. Oh, I, 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 there's, there's such a dichotomy now with these teams that I, it's very, it's becoming more challenging. Like week one and two, when we did this, I felt very confident because we had like just the market rankings, right? And it's like, okay, it's very easy to set a number on these teams. Now we're starting to get into like overreaction, underreaction territory. And like, how are people going to interpret this? How are people going to interpret that? And like, people think Denver's offense is, it looks like garbage. People are going to think it's like garbage. It's going to be very hard for someone, you know, to to bet an over in a Denver game right now with the way that their their games have gone this year. Like we t- we're talking about week one, 33 points. Week two, 25 points. Week three, 21 points. Like they're they're averaging, you know, what I'm horrible at math off the top of my head. I'm actually pretty good at it. Lie. Like 26.3 points a game in Denver Broncos games. If I were to give this team an expected point of what they probably should have had, and again, this is just off the top of my head and what I've seen, I think maybe their expected was probably like 17 points for this game against San Francisco, just based on what I saw. Like, you know, a couple of longer drives that kind of stalled. Um, I don't think they looked as bad as they've looked, but it just, it looks, it to your point, like you mentioned it before, right? It's like what you see with your eye, it just kind of ruins like the uh, objectiveness of looking at numbers. And for everyone listening, we're not playing with our numbers or anything. Like we're not looking at stats. I mean, we are, but very, very briefly, like there's no depth into anything. This is kind of all off the top of our heads. 
Yeah, I mean, I I've bet the NFL go like for a long time now. I'm I'm in my mid 30s. I started betting when I was 15 years old, so I, I've been betting for 20 years. I have a generally good idea of what a number should be or will open in a game. Let's put it that way, right? Like where the market will think these teams are. Then I'm gonna go and make my own number on a game, which is like a more sophisticated process. That's honestly beyond me. Like I I put together the algorithm and and the logic, but it's gonna output a number on a game. Um, I have a few manual inputs that I'm going to put in and I might get something completely different than what my brain thinks. And that's fine. But I, I have a generally good sense of where I think numbers will open. And, you know, I do look at the look ahead lines, but they often, you know, don't, you, you'll see this on a week to week basis. Like Casey Indy on the look ahead line was minus three, right? Open like six and a half. Philly, Washington was minus three. You got to adjust for the stuff that's going to happen on a week to week basis. And I think oftentimes the market does over adjust in a lot of these scenarios as well. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, and that's something that I personally keep in mind when I'm when I'm making numbers on these games. Um, and I, I mean, it's going to be interesting because Monday Night Football features the 49ers again. It's 49ers Rams, which if I had to guess like prior to this game, I don't know, San Fran's definitely favored what, two, two and a half, something like that. Then this could, I mean, this was such a horrible performance from the 49ers offense that I could totally see that being a pick reopening pick or Rams minus one or something like, not I'm saying that I, I, I'm high on the Rams, but what have you done for me lately in this league? The Rams covered a spread this week. You know, they looked fairly decent in doing so. 49ers, they lost to the team that everyone thinks is also pathetic in the Broncos, couldn't score. There's going to be some sort of adjustment there. I I would have to think personally. So what do you open that total at? I'd say 43. Uh, That's my guess. No, high. I bet over 43. With okay. I I'd, I'd bet over 43. If it opens 43, I will personally bet the over. If it's still around on Tuesday. So then what's your what would you say? Where where would you start to be like eh, 44 and a half? I so now I'm I'm going to have, you know, off the top of my head off the top of my head, if I'm setting a total, it's still higher than that. Okay. I, I again, might, this might be my might. eye because I just bet on San Fran and lost, and I'm pissed. So maybe that's got something to do with it. Well, you, you listen. You you might be right. You, you honestly, you might be right. Be, be, well, but here's the thing, right? Like the, the Rams game had 32 points. The 49ers game had 21 points. So m- maybe it does get adjusted to the point where. But like, if it's below forty four, this this can't close below forty four. I would be floored. I would be floored, um, even with the low scoring games. But let's leave it at that. I think this is fun. I enjoy doing this on a week to week basis. I actually, I'm sick. I'm really sick. Like, I'm gonna spend the next fifteen minutes afterwards wondering if I should have guessed different spreads and stuff like that. I have a problem, Clive. Like a real, real problem. Um, for those listening out there, really do appreciate the support. Uh, whatever platform you are listening on, please hit that subscribe button. You get notified whenever we post new episodes. Um, if you do enjoy our content, rate and review five stars wherever you can. And also, when you're listening to this on Monday, please check out thehammer.bet. Lots of good stuff goes up on Mondays, including my friend Fabian Sumer at Suma810 on Twitter. His weekly takeaways article, which I think is one of the best reads we have on The Hammer every single week. And you'll gain some valuable information from there. And also be sure to check me out uh, on a YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter stream leading into Monday Night Football of the Giants and Cowboys. I will be with Eric Eager tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Eastern time. And I think that's it, Clive. Appreciate the time and uh, 
another good week. Um, that's it. Hopefully we can keep this going, going forwards. Um, I mean, we don't really give a ton of actionable advice here, but it's impossible for me to do so. Like I have to import a bunch of one, one day I will get to the point where I'm able to give actionable advice to people earlier on in the week. But for now we guess the lines, we give our reactions to the games. I think it's more than entertaining. And I do appreciate everyone who has tuned in. We'll be back with you for week four. Thank you for listening to forward progress on the hammer betting. Network. Good luck all.